0: Welcome to B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon.
1: Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss.
0: Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B-Squared. Let's talk weather.
1: Welcome into B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And
0: I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma.
1: Bonnie, it's been another busy week, and we're not surprised. We talked about it last weekend, but, man, chase season is officially off and running, and uh, we're just going to jump into it. Wednesday was another big day. Uh, I won't say it was an outbreak, but it's pretty close. If we're going to call the previous Wednesday an outbreak, we might as well, I guess, call this one an outbreak. So, Uh, Another high-end event, another day of long-track tornadoes, another day of impressive meteorology, another day of impressive TV coverage and media coverage from James Spann, and we'll get into his personal connection to it because it's downright scary. But man, uh, the season's off and running.
0: Yes, I mean, to have three pretty major events in, what, like a 10-day span in the same general area of the country, that is just just crazy. And I don't know, it just kept, you know, it just kept coming, kept coming. So yeah, I mean, Thursday's event was crazy. And I watched that coverage all day long. And I can't I just I couldn't believe what I was seeing with my eyes. And you're right. Yeah, James fan did uh, get impacted, like you said, and that's even scarier.
1: So let's jump in. You're right. I said Wednesday meant Thursday, Thursday, 33 reports of confirmed tornadoes, Unfortunately, Bonnie, 10 fatalities is the preliminary number. There could be more. I know a, a couple of the storms had significant injuries to people, but the highest rated according to the National Weather Service and again, it's still pretty early in the in the preliminary investigations of these storms, but an EF3 uh, that hit Shelby County, it started in Bibb County, Alabama. Uh, 10 fatalities uh, attributed to two different storms. It's 10 too many and unfortunately, Uh, We lost life, and that's not what we ever want to have when we have uh, severe weather outbreaks.
0: Yeah, definitely that's worst-case scenario. And, I mean, part of the issue was these tornadoes were rain-wrapped. Another part was, like we talked about last week, is just visibility due to the terrain of Alabama with hills and trees and forests and stuff like that, so it's not easy to get the best visual so it's hard to tell exactly what street it's going over. So that, you know, makes it a little bit more difficult and a little bit more dangerous. But some of the pictures that did come out of it, um, of some of these tornadoes, wow, I'm telling you, May 3rd, 99 flashbacks, May 2013 flashbacks here, like it looked just like those big wedges on the ground. And that was just terrifying video and picture to see.
1: Right. And again, long track tornadoes was something that, you know, Storm Prediction Center had said were very possible. Uh, The individual forecast discussions from the different National Weather Service offices again mentioned that. And we saw it come to fruition again. Tornado on the ground for around 111, 115 miles. Yes, it wasn't consistent, but it was pretty close. And we saw that with the tornado that one of the tornadoes that did have the fatalities. This thing was on the ground for hours. It put down, you know multiple warnings on a, on a clear track from basically central Alabama to the northwest part of Georgia. And we saw that with multiple storms throughout the day. 50-mile track, 60-mile track, 70-mile track. So uh, long-track ter- long tornadoes are not something to be messed with. And we get these with the, the discrete supercells and these things just, you know, exist in this prime location. The atmosphere is perfectly conditioned for it and nothing to the south of it nothing to prohibit inflow and these things just go and go and go.
0: Yeah. And there was a little bit of afternoon clearing that day too, which also helped add some more fuel to that. And I think at one point during the day, um, they extended the outlook of the high risk further East and stuff. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but they they like changed the outlook in the middle of the day again and extended the high risk. And so, you know, that doesn't happen very often. And so that was a little bit crazy. And I mean, it was just a crazy day. And I I think it was crazier than last week's event. Both were still very scary situations. But yeah, Thursday was just, I mean, it just felt like they were hopping all over Alabama, trying to cover all these storms that had warnings on them at one time.
1: No, I'm, I'm completely, you know, in agreement with you there. And, you know, we mentioned James Spann. Um, We're wrapping up National Weather Podcast Month here in March. And, you know, James has a great podcast of his own. But, you know, he became part of the story in a way that you never want to. And his house was hit by a tornado. His wife was home at the time. She is fine. So she was in a – they do have a safe uh, safe place for, you know, them to go in the event tornadoes do come through, but, you know, listen, as somebody that has worked in radio and TV, you never want your family or friends to be part of the story. And I can only imagine getting that text or phone call from him saying, Hey, you know, our house was hit by a tornado, but I'm fine.
0: Yeah. Like that is so scary because then he has to carry on. You know, he has to continue covering the storms until the event is over with all of that on his mind. But I did see, I think that it, didn't really damage his house much but it did like down some trees and stuff like that on his property but i'm not 100 percent sure exactly what kind of damage he sustained but i think it was that so well, that's good if that's the case
1: yeah and that and listen that's the absolute best case scenario right we will take that day in and day out if all you lose is some trees that's that's a pretty good day yeah
0: yeah definitely no you know that that's always been my thing that i would worry about if i had any kind of tornado damage and anything happened to my roof like even if it wasn't like total destruction of my house or anything but like a hole in my roof or a hole in my wall from like a two by four or whatever like how would you like because you could still live in your house while it's getting repaired but like you've got a hole in your house you know so i just i don't know what i would do
1: right and you know Unfortunately, that threat continues today. Yesterday, of course, we saw it again over portions of the south and into the you know, deep southern plains. But, Bonnie, there is an enhanced risk for severe thunderstorms today on the east coast. Basically, everyone from Maine through Florida is under the general thunderstorm risk. And then, obviously, it goes into marginal as you move down to places like New York City um, through the entire state of New Jersey. Then you get into the slight risk, and then the enhanced risk is an area that's south of Washington, D.C., basically along the Virginia-North Carolina border up into the Chesapeake Bay, and we're already seeing storms form today, and they're quite strong. We're seeing, you know, several thunderstorms producing uh, gusts into the 70-mile-an-hour range. I know people are complaining that if the wind is really strong, it's going to blow all the cherry blossoms off of the trees in Washington, D.C., and they're just about to their peak season when they bloom. So people are now, con- you know, complaining that, oh, my gosh, this weather's going to ruin all the cherry trees. Well, sorry. You yeah,
0: know? I mean, yeah, I know that blows, but, you know, I, I'd rather it ruin the cherry blossoms than people's homes or lives. So.
1: Right, and, I, and I'm with you. And again, so the area, the, the cities are in the enhanced risk today, Norfolk, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, Richmond, Newport News, and Hampton. Uh, Washington, D.C. is in the slight risk, along with Baltimore and Virginia Beach, Raleigh, North Carolina, and then the marginal New York City, like we said, Philadelphia, Newark, New Jersey, uh, and then Yonkers, New York. So uh, just a heads up on the East Coast. Out here on the West Coast, uh, we're in the very, very <laughs> defining line of just general thunderstorms we'll talk about my forecast coming up in a minute but there is a very very slight chance that we could and i don't i'm not in the slight risk but a slight actual physical chance of seeing the thunderstorm today uh we have a pretty vigorous cold front that's going to get ready to blast through parts of the pacific northwest here in the next couple hours and for a spring storm this thing is quite potent So we're expecting winds today Um, out on the coastline, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour. We might see gusts in the Willamette Valley where I live, anywhere between 30 and 50. So fingers crossed, might get a rumble of thunder, could see a lightning strike or two, which I would be totally cool with, but uh, we will see. Unfortunately, nothing else really happening thunderstorm-wise, just to kind of bookend the country, west coast, east coast.
0: Yeah, I mean, same here. Nothing's happening here. It's been windy the last few days. It'll be windy a lot this week. So, you know, like the intro says, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane, I'm living it every day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. That is fantastic. So, you know, again, we look back, as you said, three high-end events so far. We're, you know, into calendar spring now a week. We're into meteorological spring uh, 28 days when we're taping this on Sunday, March 28th. Uh, Everything is looking real prime and I know that you are itching to get out chasing in Oklahoma Uh, you've asked the question along with a lot of other people what does this bode for the plains in terms of severe weather well you know not to use the south as any indication but if you're already up to three high end events and we're in spring a month I would have to say just based on what we look at I would think Oklahoma and Texas and you know the plains are in for a Pretty decent chase season.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about this that one season or one event doesn't predict the next one, but I mean, if the conditions have been setting up for, you know, Alabama, Mississippi and that area of the country, this is their severe weather season and then it moves further west and it because our severe weather season, April, May, kind of into June a little bit, so it would just kind of stand to reason like you said that yeah probably this kind of setup and you know ingredients and pattern is going to continue and and move into our area in the coming weeks so I did see a new story here um, in Oklahoma where they're urging Oklahomans to start you know getting their plan together switching out their bottled water whatever that kind of thing just to be prepared because you know like you said if it's been like this and in Alabama and Mississippi and Tennessee and everything, then it's, you know, kind of likely it'll happen here and we just need to be ready.
1: And that's the most important part. Be prepared. We talk a lot on the show about being prepared, know what to do, know where to go, know where to find information. Um, There's an app on iPhone called clubhouse. Uh, It's one of these things that is a social media network and I've been on it for gosh, almost two months now. And just talking with people about different things, usually music related um, stuff through some of my other jobs. But there's a gentleman in a group that I follow and I talk to on a pretty regular basis who lives in Norman, Oklahoma. He is in insurance and, you know, he knows I'm a big weather nerd. So we talk weather at at different times uh, when I'm on the app. But it's funny. He was like, you know, when I first moved from Boston to Oklahoma, that first Saturday when they do the siren test, I had no idea what was going on. And he goes, it took me a while to figure it out. And I eventually text my sister-in-law saying, hey, what's happening? And she goes, oh, this is just the monthly test or the weekly test, whatever, however frequently you guys test the, the sirens. But he goes, I quickly understood now this is why we have to have like a storm shelter. This is why we have to have a weather radio. And so he was asking me the other day, he goes, I need to buy one of these. What would you recommend? I said, well, you know, anything by Midland works really well. You can even call the International Weather Service office. They will be able to provide you with a list of, you know, accurate and, you know, important information on what weather radios to buy. And yes, not all weather radios are equal, but as long as they receive, you know, the alerts, that's what matters. You want the ability to get the information when you need it, it will save your life.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially in the middle of the night. And I think earlier this week, uh, Texas had a tornado watch overnight from like 11 PM to they did. four a.m. or something like that. And that's, That's really scary, you know. That's during the week. Most people have to work, so they're going to be sleeping at that time because they have to get up for work the next day. And that's, you know, one of those scarier situations where some people might miss the warning because they don't have um, a radio. And I'll tell you, I know we all supposedly have those um, alerts on our phone that come through, but they don't work, unfortunately. I've never had good success with them, and. We I was watching the coverage in Alabama with James Spann on Thursday, and there was um, a tornado warning, I think, for Jefferson County, for Hoover, I think. Mm-hmm. And 20, 30 minutes later, both James Spann and the other girl, her name's Sarah?
1: Yeah, I, think I, want, I want to say both, it was Sarah, yeah.
0: Both of them got the alert on their phone that there was a tornado warning for Hoover, but it had already been, it already happened, it was over. Right. And so, they got it really delayed. So, honestly, I wouldn't rely on your phone to alert you. I know those alerts are annoying, like Amber alerts and stuff like that are really loud. And so, it will wake you up, but they just are, I don't know, for whatever reason, they don't work. And I think it's an issue with um, cell signal during storms, um, is why it doesn't work. So, that's why I would always say, go with the weather radio, a battery operated one.
1: Yep, exactly. And get the one, I I personally prefer the ones that you can plug in and have the battery backup option because again, you lose power, you're going to have another way to still receive it.
0: Yes. But if you have the, um, both options, you don't have to worry about changing the batteries as often because it'll be running off electricity for the most part.
1: What you're, you're completely correct. I will say this. There is a, um, Speaking of new apps and things, out here on the West Coast, obviously, you know, one of the things that we worry about are are earthquakes. There is a technology that was developed in Japan, and they have used it numerous times. It's called Quake Alert, and it basically will send out a signal to your phone saying, we have detected a earthquake and insert X magnitude and based on your location, you will start to feel the shaking in X amount of seconds. And so they've wow. been working it in California. They rolled it out to Oregon. So I have it on my phone. And so I was at dinner with my mom on Thursday when the app went live in Oregon. And I just kind of tested it out. And let me just tell you, it's, it's kind of freaky. I'm not going to lie. Where you can do a test and you're like, okay, um, you know, select a magnitude. So say it's a, it's a moderate quake, like a five or a six on the Richter scale. And it will say, you know, based on your location, you'll start to feel shaking in 15 seconds. And then there's a countdown clock. And that tells you, you know, jump under a table or do something. And so I was like, okay, you know that I appreciate that. That's this is a good technology to have. And, you know, I, I hope it does work. But then I was like, well, let me see what would happen if I do a high end scale earthquake like, you know, a magnitude eight or a nine, which is very catastrophic and literally it's telling me to instantly just duck and cover. And you know, if I get that, I'm not ducking and cover. I'm running outside. If yeah. I have more than 10 seconds, I'm going to find the quickest exit out.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not, I don't want to be in a structure. Right. Yeah,
1: But the fact that now that I have possible lead time, depending on how far this is away is going to be a game changer. And yeah. this is the technology that we want. And you know, Please, you know, we're going to chuckle when we say this, but the movie Twister, which is one of our favorites, the whole premise of the movie was trying to advance the warning time because we need that time to prepare, right? Hopefully you have a weather radio or hopefully your cell phone does work and it does, your carrier does submit the alert when it's issued by the National Weather Service. We want that time to be prepared to, you know, get to where we need to be. But if we can't, you know, This is when things can happen. So nobody wants to be caught off guard with an earthquake. Nobody wants to be caught off guard with a tornado warning, especially one that's going to hit your town or going to hit your house or going to hit your family or your friends. So have the ways to receive the information, have a way to disseminate the information and to understand it, and then be able to act on it. And so this is why we want time because time will save lives. So, you know, I, I, I totally get the frustration that James has because if you're sending out alerts 30 minutes after it happens, you're not doing a disservice or you're doing a disservice to the public. You're not helping them in any shape. So uh, it, yeah. it it is it is sad. But yeah, go out and get a weather radio. Get one that's dual powered battery and AC powered and it, it will save your life. It 100%
0: will. And it'll wake you up. And I mean, it's an obnoxious, loud Give you a heart attack kind of sound, but you you need that because you can't rely on the tornado sirens. I've heard tornado sirens during the day when it's storming, and sometimes I have to sit there and listen. I'm like, am I hearing the sirens or is it just like right. wind? Like you cannot tell very well. Those are really meant for people when you're outside, so you have got to have something inside that is going to wake you up or even you know whatever if it's during the day just something that's going to alert you hey something's happening in your area the other reason to have those those radios is because a lot of times we're all watching streaming services now netflix hulu whatever and they don't have break-in coverage for your area if something's happening so your weather radio will also alert you during daylight hours when you're just you know minding your own business so a lot of perks to having a weather radio
1: if you guys do want information on where to get a weather radio or want to find out about different things, um, you know, you and I are a member of the weather ready nation ambassador program through NOAA and the national weather service. And, you know, they do provide information on where to get a weather radio. So uh, I'll pull up the link right now. Uh, do, 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 do. Real-time podcasting. That's great, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Hey, that's just <laughs> It's B that's squared. You're working with podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You're along for the ride.
1: So, uh, right here. All right. So, National Weather Service has a page. If you just go to weather.gov slash media slash PAH, which I believe is Paducah, Kentucky, Sky Warren slash NOAA Weather Radio Brochure PDF. I will tweet this out. On the link. And again, it is from the Paducah um, uh, National Weather Service, but they have some good information about where and what to look for. So uh, we'll tweet that out, but they have information on what to buy and it will give the rundown of, you know, here are all the frequencies that they use and how the weather radio works. And again, it is worth it. It is just absolutely worth it. Please make sure you guys go out and get one if you do not have one. If you live in an area that is prone to severe weather, and frankly, all parts of the United States are, you should have access to a weather radio. You can even just even go on Amazon or Home Depot. A lot of places sell it so because they understand what is important. So make sure you and do And some
0: that. of them only have them in stock seasonally. Like I tried to right. go to Best Buy. And they didn't have them in yet, but they're like they're coming for the spring, right? You know, season coming up, so that's another issue. So online might be better, but you're right, like Home Depot and stuff, they sell them as well. Yep. Um, so we all need to have one.
1: Yep. Just do a simple Google search. You know, weather radio. You'll be able to buy one online real quick, um, like I said, or like Bonnie just said, a lot of retailers have them. I know Walmart carries them. I know Lowe's and Home Depot carry them they, it's, it's just one of the things you have to have. So yeah, let's do it. And
0: really even I would say it's more important for areas that don't get it as often, or it's not their typical, you know, weather that they get because they're not on alert for it here in Oklahoma. We're like, okay, here we go. Spring's coming. Let's start gearing up. Most Oklahomans are like in that mindset that they know at any time there could be, a risk for severe weather, so we're already kind of on alert for that in a way, if that makes sense, whereas other parts of the country who don't get it as often, you know, might really not be paying any kind of attention, so a lot of different scenarios where a weather radio would be beneficial.
1: Yep, you gotta have one, you just have to have access to it, Uh, and again, they wake you up, but it is definitely worth the price of investment. For less than, you know, $50, you can have a thing that will save your life. And we hope it never comes to that, but I'd much rather be prepared than not. And listen, you're right. Tornadoes hit at night. We've seen that again recently as a few days ago, the tornado that went through the south side of Atlanta went through at night, did a lot of damage. That's scary. You can't see those things at night unless it's yep. no even, matter where you are. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It could be a metro area or it could be out in the middle of the plains unless this thing is incredibly illuminated by very frequent lightning, you're not going to see it. And unfortunately, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of the storms that we saw on Thursday and Saturday were rain-wrapped, which means radar indicates tornado. We see the debris ball signature. We see the velocity scans of the inbounds and outbounds really close together. But if this thing is rain-wrapped, you're not going to see it until it's on top of you. And that is incredibly scary.
0: Yes. And I mean, we've been tweeting out pictures of what the wind can do. I mean, there was a, I think it was a two by 10 yep. piece of wood that went through completely through a brick wall. Yep. Um, we saw that little piece of wood that was in the middle of like a, some kind of metal or I don't know if it was fiberglass, some kind of telephone pole. It was just sliced through it and stuck in the middle of it. So, I mean, if the wind can put wood through a wall or a metal pole, Imagine what it can do to a human body. So right. that's why you want to be prepared and have a way to get warnings.
1: Yep, we see the pictures every year: straw through bricks, Th- uh, mm-hmm. straw into metal siding, um, pictures of cars picked and tossed. You know, hundreds of feet away. Mobile homes move completely off of their foundation, which again, it doesn't take a lot, but impressive nonetheless. Uh, We saw a video of houses, you know, this week on Thursday in a couple of the neighborhoods uh, around uh, south of Birmingham where, you know, a house completely destroyed and then the house next door completely fine. Tornadoes are, you know, discrete things. These things, you know, are powerful and they hit one house and, you know, magically a house next door survives. But, you know, it could be the fact that in the main area of rotation was directly on top of that house or there was maybe a satellite tornado around the parent circulation we don't know but anytime that you see a tree completely stripped of all of its bark that's pretty intense it takes a lot of force to do that
0: or a telephone pole snapped completely off at the base like just like a little toothpick you know i mean tornadoes are very powerful and like you said we can't like we cannot get inside of one so we don't know what's happening in the middle of a tornado while it's going through a neighborhood so we don't know why one house gets more damage than the one next to it and that's why you just have to be safe and not be sorry
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. well we look forward now to what we have coming down the pipe and like we said we're looking at areas today along the east coast which do have uh, you know, they're in the enhanced risk. So we're going to like, okay, we'll, wa- we'll watch through this. But day two, no no thunderstorms to forecast anywhere in the country. So that's pretty nice. We'll take that. Day yeah, three.
0: We all need a little break.
1: <laughs> day three, uh, portions of Texas, extreme south, uh, east Oklahoma, areas of Louisiana and Arkansas into portions of Mississippi, Tennessee, and Alabama are into a marginal risk for day three. And then we look forward to days four through eight. Uh, Nothing really looking likely. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, there's talks. Things are looking interesting, you know, a couple of weeks into April. Of course, that's too far away to really, you know, start freaking out about anything. But, you know, just patterns to start watching. But um, this downtime is the time to get prepared. But, um, yeah, right now, after today, everything's a little bit quiet, and that'll be nice.
1: We will take it. the latest, you know, uh, mesoscale discussion that the uh, S- uh, Storm Prediction Center has put out says damaging winds at a tornado or two are possible this afternoon in the area of enhanced risk, and we're just looking at temperatures and dew points right now are into the 70s. Ooh. The atmosphere is primed, but there's going to be a lack of, you know, turning with height. So if you do get a discrete supercell that might be able to spin up a little bit, you could get a tornado, but the main threat today along the East Coast seaboard is definitely going to be wind. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, we've seen it. Straight line winds can do pretty serious damage just like a tornado. So um, just because tornadoes aren't as prevalent today as other days doesn't mean you should let your guard down.
1: 100%. All right. What do you guys have coming up in Oklahoma? Uh,
0: pretty nice week. Um, pretty good temperatures, partly cloudy um, throughout the week. Temperatures in the 60s. Uh, close to 70 so that's nice but there are going to be some days with some very very high winds and that that's not good for us with allergies around here okay that just makes all of us miserable with all the allergies just floating around in the air so um, but like I said wind comes sweeping down the plane, this is our life this is what we signed up for when we moved to Oklahoma.
1: Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Out here in the Pacific Northwest, we, like I said, we have a vigorous cold front coming in today. Slight chance of a thunderstorm or two. Uh, I'm not going to completely rule it out. It was 65 and sunny yesterday. It was the warmest day that we've had all year. And it was beautiful. Absolutely glorious. Uh, And then we crash hard into today. Temperature will top out at 54. We've already hit our high for the day. So we'll wait for this cold front to blast through. Snow level tonight will drop down to about 1,000 feet. So the top of the hills around town might see a dusting. Yes, we're talking about low elevation snow March 28th, 2021 in the northwest. I'm not surprised. Uh, Lots of mountain snow going to keep piling up, which is great news. We need to keep building that snowpack. Hopefully help with a drought if we have one, which right now looks unlikely. So knock on wood, that continues But once the showers move through, then we uh, start to actually clear out. Tuesday looks beautiful. We're going to get up to 65 again on Wednesday before uh, temperatures kind of, eh, they cool off a little bit. Might get a chance of showers as we get toward the weekend. But, yeah, I love the fact that we are still talking about snow in some areas. I was
0: just going to say that. I was like, really? We're still talking about snow? We're talking about EF3 tornadoes, you know, going through central Alabama. But then we're also still talking about snow in Oregon. Yes, we are.
1: Yes, we are. And again, you know, Denver, not not to go back and rehash this week, but Denver had another snow event this week. So, again.
0: Oh, wow. It, Poor Denver totally got overshadowed with.
1: Oh, I know. Well, this is what happens when it's not a major major blizzard or a bomb cyclone or anything. I will take the tornado coverage all day, every day over Denver snow.
0: 100%, 100%. And something we didn't really mention, though, but me and you were talking on Thursday a lot and like, sending you know radar scope gifts back and forth and stuff but there was some very impressive um, images on radar yes there were from a few of those storms in Alabama so um, some really good debris signatures that were just unreal so I mean it, some very devastating things happened in Alabama for sure just based on radar without any pictures from real life just the radar itself painted that picture so Um, It was intense for
1: sure. It was very intense. And again, if you want to go back and look at some of these images, we did tweet them out on our Twitter page at weather podcast. You can see some of these textbook debris signatures, velocity scans. Um, The one discrete supercell from Texas yesterday was absolutely beautiful. If you Mm -hmm. want to see what a radar scan looks of an actual mesocyclone of a discrete supercell that is putting down a tornado, check it out because this thing was as textbook as you get.
0: Yep. It looked perfect. Like someone sat down and hand drew it.
1: Right. Which is, which is always a, a good thing. We want, we, if we're going to get discrete supercells in the middle of nowhere, we want them to look pretty.
0: Yeah. Well, and when they look perfect in textbooks, then you know what it is and there's no doubt. You know exactly. what I mean? How some storms look kind of messy and convoluted and you're like, I think there's something happening here, but it's just kind of like, lobby on the radar but then when you get those ones that are like textbook it, there's no doubt this is a tornado on the ground right here
1: yep it be is good. it is good i'd much rather have the textbook signature than you know those little spin up storms in the in the quasi line that's coming through where you have to you know be looking at the velocity scan 100% to make sure that you actually do have rotation in there cuz that stuff you know to me listen i i'd rather take a discrete supercell that's putting down a, a tornado that's you know, large, a large wedge tornado, an EF5, if it were to hit something versus one of these little storms that pop up in these straight line
0: events, mm-hmm. because
1: that to me is more scary than a, a discrete supercell.
0: Oh, yes, it is. And I mean, we've had a lot of events like that where one comes out of um, out of a line like that, that you don't expect to see. And you don't have a lot of lead time because the radar is not really showing you what's going on very well. And then, yeah, you I mean, we had one, I think it was last year, that went through El Reno and hit a hotel, and yep. I think it killed three or four people.
1: Yep, I remember you and I were watching the coverage of that. And, yep. you know, no. it just, again, it pops up out of nowhere. It's there for two, three minutes, enough time that maybe the radar doesn't see the complete scan, and it's gone. And yep. you just don't and the know. the crazy
0: thing is, in that little area right there of El Reno, there wasn't much else around that hotel. Right. So that was just, you know, just bad luck, awful timing because it just put it down right on top of a building that had people in it so yeah
1: just it's sometimes the luck of the draw and it's not not like we want but uh it was really beautiful yesterday i was happy to have sunshine it felt nice temperature was warm uh the sun felt good on the face but uh we come crashing back to reality of spring in the northwest where temperatures today are going to top out like i said we've already hit our high about 54 and it's dropping like a rock and for the first time ever i'm actually seeing on the national weather service the seven-day forecast there's a little arrow pointing with the temperature down that's very interesting i've never seen that
0: can you all make up your mind y'all trying to have good weather or not good weather like figure it
1: out well it's the northwest it's like and i know this is the saying for everywhere if you don't like the weather here wait five minutes it will change literally it will
0: Y'all kind of like a yo-yo right now like up and down up and down. that's
1: what we do i will say this and i did tweet you the picture i won't i won't tweet it out but or I did text you the picture the infographics they have on the front page of the national weather service portland office it, you know it dictates the cold front and it pictures it. you know where it's going to be at one o'clock four o'clock seven o'clock i've had a recurring dream where i've been able to see the beam of a next radar like you know circling around the sky it's the years of working in tv and watching way too much weather channel but i've had the recurring dream that i can see that I really want to see the blue cold front come through, or I want to see the red warm front.
0: Or the brown dry line.
1: Yes, brown dry line. I want to see the occluded front, red and blue. I know I'll never see it, but one one can hope.
0: Do you get like a dry line situation out, out there, way out, out west? We
1: occasionally do. It's pretty rare, though. Um, we You're get too it, close
0: to the water to really get like a dry line
1: yeah we are too close or if we do get a dry line situation it's we have a lot of cold air we get them during the winter when we have all that that east wind is pumping through the gorge mm-hmm. and it's it's coming through but unfortunately we don't get it like a long stretch event we get m- ours more of a convergent zone so yeah. where the cold air finally meets the warmer moist air is where we get you know Dumping the snow or enhanced area of showers, real quick. And there are a couple of places around here that are kind of infamous. We have the Clark County Convergence Zone, the Triple CZ. Uh, there's a convergence zone up uh, just north of Seattle, actually, right over top of where the Seattle National Weather Service office is and where NOAA used to have their research facility. Uh, there is a convergence zone there. So we do get like micro dry lines. But we don't have anything widespread like you guys do in the plains.
0: I I love seeing our dry line set up because there's no doubt where it is. It's a very sharp line. Like someone took a sharpie and was just like, "Here's where it's dry. Here's where it's not dry. And here's the line."
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So storms form in well, obviously storms would form in the warm sector of that. Mm-hmm. So, can you see? Oh, well, you'd be able to see it because of the cloud formation. Because clouds won't form in the, uh, behind the dry line. Right. That's pretty awesome. I do, I do want to see that. I think that'd be really cool to see in person.
0: One of my favorite things is to see dry lines or cold fronts or whatever yes. on the surface station plot map. Yes. Where all the uh, mesonet sites are and you can see where the wind direction is changing and you can see the line where dew point temperatures are changing and that kind of thing. And it's, it's cool because none of that, there's no colors, there's no nothing. It's just this like big mess of just dots and numbers and um what is this thing called wind barbs, you know what I mean? So you can't it just it doesn't look like anything, it looks like a bunch of chicken scratch. So it's really cool to be able to one, read it, but also just be able to pick out like, oh, there it is, there's cold sign, oh, there it is, there's dry line and you can
1: I like it. I'm a dork. That is cool. And I know you and I have talked about on the show a lot. You know, one of the cool things of actually getting to see is, you know, like a gust front or an actual cold front coming through that does have a shelf cloud or does have, you know, an area of, you know, changing weather. I've seen, gosh, an Arctic front twice. And I've seen a true cold front that didn't have any real moisture associated with it, but was moving fast enough that it like created a couple like tiny snowflakes. And that was pretty cool to see. There was no severe weather. But one of my favorite memories, I was when I interned at the ABC affiliate here in town, it was a summer afternoon. We had uh, a cold front coming through. It was extremely tiny. Uh, It was pretty weak by the time it actually made it through. But it had this area of about 12 miles wide of rain. And we just watched it on radar come right off the coast, move right over the coast range through the metro area. It was sunny before rain for about half an hour and sunny immediately right after. But it was the coolest thing to see on radar. It was cool to see in person Happened during the afternoon so you could actually see it outside. And you could, like we said, you could look at one of the sky cameras and you could see a picture of blue sky in front, blue sky behind, and then rain behind, rain in the middle.
0: That is crazy. like, And that's just so cool when something is so... It, when the contrast in the right. atmosphere is so sharp that it does that and it does actually form the line above your head that it, you would see on a weather map on TV. That's just awesome. I love it. It was love. really
1: cool. It was really cool, but one of my favorite memories, but yeah, I'm, I'm really itching to get out there, see a, a real nice shelf cloud, see a gust front, see the whole nine. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for some good severe weather. Yes.
0: Yes. I mean, just yet, yeah, like you said, the cloud features alone that come, with spring storms and spring weather is just phenomenal. So, yeah, we're, we're all itching over here.
1: <laughs> cannot wait. Cannot wait. Well, another great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon.
0: And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma.
1: And we will talk to you guys next week.
0: Bye.